0: Can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, okay. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. We
1: this is the Santita the Jackson Show.
2: everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Happy Friday. It's a joy to be with you today. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. I think it's important to say that today because we're going to be talking about political violence in America. It's not new. It's not new. There was was even an NPR report that went and spoke with Civil rights veterans, several of whom I knew because I grew up with them, um, and they said, "This feels like the '60s, the '50s. This is really America's history." But we can't have uh, what we we can't have a constitutional republic that has democratic urgings. We can't even move toward a democracy if we are going to be violent. That is why Dr. King's uh, teachings were so important. So important, and it's important today. So I am Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT eight twenty, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM nine fifty radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want to know what you think about political violence in America today. Thank God, Paul Pelosi is recovering. The Speaker Pelosi's husband, he nearly a week after this attack that could have killed him. Uh, Killed by a man who we don't quite know who he is. We do know that he is a Canadian national who overstayed his visa. And um, that's not the reason that he did this. He, there's just a lot that went into that. But we know that politically he was motivated. We know that thus far. And um, it is very painful to think that she could have lost her husband to this political climate in which we find ourselves. But we've been living in it. Certainly I've been living in it all of my life. I've shared some of my stories with you. And um, I want to know what you think about it. And what do you think about this political climate in which we find ourselves, this political climate which is called the social climate? What do you think about it? Call me at 773 We have poll watchers who are wearing bulletproof vests. Yeah, it's, it's gotten like that. We have people who are at the ballot boxes holding guns, threatening voters. What do you think about that? I want to hear your thoughts. Call me at 773-763-9278. Of course, Attorney Daryl Jones is going to be on with us uh, to tell us what we should do if you encounter that, and if you encounter anything that is untoward in the polls as you're trying to, uh, at the ballot box, when you're trying to drop off your vote, when you're trying to vote. How do you protect your vote? We're going to find that out here on the Santita Jackson Show. So let's get right to it today. We're going to be talking with Senator Vincent Hughes from pennsylvania state senator vincent hughes what is going on there Uh, it seems like john fetterman might pull it out but we don't know oprah winfrey endorsed um not the person who she put on the map dr Mehmet. ah she she endorsed john fetterman Uh, that's very interesting and so um will that make a difference you know a lot of these races are this close this close So we will see. We're going to get a a good word from Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams on the Santita Jackson Show. But let's get to these headlines in Chicago. It's going to be spring like today. Who can believe that we are just a few weeks out from Thanksgiving? It's going to be 69 degrees in Chicago. Scattered showers in Minneapolis, St. Paul, 45 degrees and cloudy in Major League Baseball. The Astros pulled it out last night, 3-2 to two over the Phillies, and they lead in the World Series series, 3-2. to two. They're going back to Houston. They could close it out there. Will they do it? We will see. This would be the first World Series win. And 25 years of coaching for Dusty Baker, who is, of course, the coach for the Houston Astros. Kind of pulling for him because, you know, he was one of Hank Aaron's teammates, of course he and Ralph Garr, they were the young guys on the team, but they were very protective of Mr. Aaron and um and I just I got to know him as a child. I'm so happy to see this success. And his son is 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 a rising star in the baseball world. So it's a very, very exciting thing to watch this. But it's been a great series thus far. Tight three to two. Let's see who's going to win. In the NBA, the Bulls will be playing the Celtics tonight. The Bucks will be playing the Timberwolves. And in the NHL, Chicago beat the Kings two to one. And the Kraken, well, they shut out the Wild four two. Nothing. Everybody, please get out and vote. Vote.org. Find out if you are still registered. You can remedy that and find out where you can vote. If you can do that, if you go to vote.org, and if there is anything that happens to you outside the polls, inside of the polls, that is preventing you from voting, if you have any question about voting, call one eight six six our vote one eight six six our vote and call these lawyers. Do not leave the polling place. Do not leave the ballot box. Until your vote has been cast. But get the legal advice. They're there waiting to help you. Drowning in our democracy. This is a time when your voice needs to be heard. U.S. billionaires, according to this report, have pumped nearly $900 million into this election. With a week under the U.S. midterm elections, Americans for Tax Fairness revealed yesterday that billionaires have poured $900 million into the midterms. But I tell you what, you can turn this around. This torrent of billionaire cash is drowning the democracy, everybody, according to Frank Clemente, executive director for Americans for Tax Fairness. Money talks, but guess what? If you walk to the polls and cast your vote, you can upend all of that. Speaking of which, um, at least outside of the British royal family, the wealthiest man in the world is Elon Musk. He purchased Twitter. He will begin laying off Twitter employees this morning, according to a memo sent to staff, as several employees sue Elon Musk alleging the layoffs are in violation of labor law. An email sent yesterday evening notified employees that they will receive notice by 12 p.m. Eastern Time by email. Everybody, yikes! The memo comes after previous reports that Musk had planned to lay off up to half of the company's staff after acquiring it last week for $44 billion. Health officials are reinforcing their recommendations for people to get flu vaccines as this year's strain picks up across the U.S. Going to be asking. Dr. Shanina Knighton about that. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol has interviewed more Secret Service witnesses, including the head of former Vice President Mike Pence's detail. The committee is also expected to interview at least another half dozen Secret Service witnesses in the coming weeks. President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program remains on hold while a federal appeals court considers a legal challenge brought by six Republican-led states. And those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Looking forward to hearing the good, good word from the anointed Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams from the First Baptist Church of Bridgehampton, New York. And, of course, I See You, Sis, is her book. Go to Amazon, get I See You, Sis. You will be blessed by it. Pastor, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you, as always. Oh, Al, always great to be with you. Talk to us. We need a good word today. I know I do.
3: Well, interestingly enough, today is a very
2: interesting day.
3: What if I were to tell you that today is Common Sense Day? <laughs> are you serious? Today, number four, the yes, is when we acknowledge Common
0: sense
3: day. Now, my pastor, Earl Jones Sr. of the First Calvary Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York, had a famous saying, and he would always say this, common sense ain't so common. At all. <laughs> common sense <laughs> ain't so common. One would think that everybody has common sense, everybody has street smarts, but when we talk about common sense, Common sense is sound judgment in practical matters. If we were to take it to the Bible, Proverbs eight and five lets us know that we can develop or need to develop common sense. Other translations call it prudence or discretion. So biblically, or discretion, excuse me, biblically, common sense can be thought of as a combination of wisdom and discretion. What is that? Wisdom is knowing what discretion knowing where to do it. One more time, wisdom Mm. is knowing what to do. Discretion is knowing when and where to do it. And when we put the two together, we have, Mm. and even right now, someone under the sound of my voice is struggling with common sense. Someone is wrestling with a wisdom-filled decision. They may not know what to do, and they don't know where and when to do it. I want to help you with that today. I want to help you make nine nine tips for making better decisions, nine tips to activate your common sense. Do you have decision-making process, or do you fly by the seat of your pants? Have you made a lot of good decisions or bad decisions over the years? If that's the case, you can benefit from having better common sense. You can benefit from learning how to make better decisions. The first thing is know your desired outcome. When do you want it and what do you want? When you know what you want, the solution becomes clearer. What's the point of considering a given option? Is this to maximize your income? Is it to enhance your health? Is it to find a relationship? Is it a housekeeper, the learner? What is it? Define what you're attempting to accomplish. Be rational while making a decision. You don't think as clearly when you're stressed, tired, or uncomfortable in any way. As Snickers says, you're not yourself when you're hungry. (laughs) And so when we (laughs) exercise wisdom, we're not often ourselves. Number three, keep the long term in mind. What's the end game? Consider how your decision will affect your life in weeks, months, or even years down the road. Here's a good rule of thumb. Can you control it? Is it going to matter to you in five minutes, five days, five months, or five years? If not, then maybe you need to let it go. That's wisdom. Number four, know how you handle the worst possible outcome. Worst case scenarios. When you know that you can handle the worst, it's easier to make up your mind and get what you want with your life and get on with your life. Think about everything that could go wrong and determine how you would handle it. Number five, take enough time to make a good decision, but not longer. Sometimes decisions take longer than others, But we avoid, in order to avoid paralyzing ourselves, we can't just hone in on that decision. Procrastination won't enable you to make a better choice. Sometimes you've got to make the decision and move with it. Number six, use your past experience. Every one of us has receipts. Every one of us has a track record with God. What can you use from your past to help you make a wise decision now? All your previous good and bad decisions are resources you can call upon now. I say it this way, nothing is wasted in God's economy. Number seven, get assistance from an expert. If you don't know enough about a subject, if you don't know enough about the decision that you're going to make, get the help that you need. There's always someone who does it a little bit better than you. Reach out to that person and get help from an expert. Number eight, take action immediately. At the a decision, it's important to do something about it. Make it a habit to take at least one small step that supports your decision. And number nine, know your value. When you know your value, your strength, and that makes it easier to choose what's important to you today. How does the decision to make relate to those values? Listen, common sense, making better decisions is the best way to enhance your life. A poor decision isn't necessarily fatal, but it can be hard to recover from. So today, make a decision to have common sense. Common sense ain't that common, but you can change that today, and that's the good news.
2: Amen to that. I love that. I love that. Let me just ask you this, because sometimes people feel that there's a real disconnect between the teachings in the church and, you know, does it have a practical application? I mean, like every day, you know, like just everyday yeah. stuff. And you're saying to us that what we learn in the pews, we can carry out into, into the public
3: Absolutely. and in our private That's lives. It. Absolutely. That's how it should be. What we learn in church is not just for that hour, hour and a half that we're sitting there. What we should be learning is practical tools that we can take out to the streets. One of the things that I do whenever I'm preparing a sermon, after I've done my exegesis, after I've done word study and all of those scholarly things, you know what the next question I ask myself, Santita, is? What does that have to do with my life? Mm. And I don't ask for myself. I ask it for the person sitting in the audience, sitting in the congregation, that maybe that's the foremost thought on their mind. And really, that's a metaphor to say, what does this have to do with me right now? What does it do with me in this moment? How can I take what I've learned today and apply it to life? That's what good preaching is. It ought to teach, not just or inspire or even make. People need to leave the church building with more than a feel-good feeling. They need mm-hmm. to leave with resources that they can use and apply to everyday life. And any preacher who doesn't do that is not exercising common sense. <laughs>
2: Well, no, I appreciate that. I mean, because I think that that's what turns a lot of people off about the church, not to mention the fact that, you know, even I think when when pastors are honest about their own struggles with faith, um, within their marriages, relationships, uh, personal struggles, it helps you. Some people need the pastor to be exalted, right? Um, I've never agreed with that, Uh, not just because I, you know, I'm the daughter of, of a, you know, I'm a, I'm the daughter of, of a minister. Uh, but I also know the real struggles of ministers, as do you. Uh, they are among the most likely to divorce, which is, which surprises people. Um, they deal with suicidal tendencies. Um, oh, yeah. Many people don't know when Dr. King's grandmother died, he was so bereft that he jumped off the top of his house. Right? Um it's, you know, because he struggled with depression, you know, and most brilliant people had, you know, every gift you have has something that weighs you down with it. And I, you know, I, and I felt moved to ask you about that today, because I think that um, there's a lot, I think, that we're missing, you know, mm-hmm. in these practical applications of these spiritual lessons. That's right. You know, That's right. so when you talk about common sense, I'm like, whoa, a preacher talking about common sense? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. but it's important. And it, it matters. really, really is.
3: Transparency matters in the pulpit. As a matter of fact, there's data that proves that people want more transparency in preaching now. Mm-hmm. And I actually, believe it or not, COVID helped us with that. If we were to lean into some of these experiences that we've had, these shared human experiences, we would sign for preachers. We don't have to figure out what to preach. The world has given us what we need to preach. We are all having a shared human experience. We're all experiencing the same thing. And so people are actually looking for more transparency from the pulpit these days. And what happens is when a preacher does that, it makes them emotionally intelligent. It means Mm. that they are proactive about connecting with people in, in not just an emotional way, but in an emotional, intelligent way that acknowledges how they're feeling and what they're going through and saying, hey, I'm feeling the same thing and going, going through it too. Another another point is, it's not always about being transparent in order to find solutions. I think more preachers also need to be transparent and wrestle in a space and be okay mm. with that. Sometimes it's okay to leave the desk with no answers. I think one of the most encouraging things we can say as pastors and leaders is, and you know what? I don't know. I'm still mm-hmm. dealing with it, but let's work this thing out together. I think that's
2: encouraging. That. Yeah. How about that? You know, because I, I, I see, you know, honestly, I see Pastor Warnock, you know, struggling yes. with some of the great public questions. You know, for example, like reproductive rights. Um, And, you know, uh, I was reading an article about Russia and their relationship with the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus community. Uh, They are an orthodox Christian country. Mm -hmm. And so instead of attacking them, I think you need to understand philosophically where they come from. They know. I mean, the only reason they kicked the church out was because the church was obstructing social progress. That was what happened to Castro in Cuba. He said Mm -hmm. the, the Catholic Church is not supporting our fight to save the poor. So y'all got to get out of here because you are you your country. You're one of the most powerful institutions on earth. You got to get out of this country because you are thwarting our pro- progress. And so a lot of, I mean, my father took Castro to church for the first time. He said, I think in 25 or 30 years, he had not been to the, he had not been to church since the revolution until, until my father took him in 1984. He said, cause I grew up Catholic but And my mother grew up Catholic, and they had the same struggle. She said, when I saw them not jumping in to support these freedom movements, she said it was devastating to me because my mother wanted to be a nun, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, like many good Catholic girls, you know, they aspire to that. She was like, I, she said, and I saw that, and it it hurt me, and it really bothered me was very disturbing so I, you know I just I think that we need to I think we need to have these discussions and one day I want you to come back oh, and talk about that because I think Absolutely. that there are common sense applications there are everyday applications that your teachings which is why what we love having you every Friday you're so right. powerful no 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 because it it's it's a practical application that you're giving me and that is what yeah. that is what we all need we all need that. I need to I need a gospel that's gonna make some sense and help me to not go crazy here.
3: Absolutely. Otherwise what is it for? Otherwise he will have just made a good speech on
2: Sundays. <laughs> God would have just blown some smoke. He wouldn't have sent a, a man down here named Jesus. Okay? Yeah. What's the point of making Jesus human? <laughs> if, he, if Jesus ain't gonna understand you. Come on now.
0: Oh, that is, that is oh.
2: Get the book, I See You, Sis, everybody. I See You, Sis. I See You, Sis, It's Going to Bless You by Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. Sending you much love, my dear sister. Let's talk about protecting your vote and political violence in America. What do you think about that, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278. Can political violence and democracy coexist? Sending, again, much love and many prayers to the Pelosi family. Paul Pelosi is home, thank God. Thank God. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the
0: world. Change the world. Change the world. We can change the world. We can change the world. Change the
1: world. This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson show. It's Friday, November 4th, November 4th, 2022, four days until the, until the midterms. It's just hard to believe we're like two years into the Biden pre- presidency already, Already, and now every seat in the U.S. House of Representatives is up for, uh, is up for grabs. And um, and one third of the U.S. Senate up for grabs, the governorships, the state legislatures, secretaries of state. Do not forget to vote down ballot, everybody. And please, now we're beginning to see judges campaigning on on television in a way that I just I don't recall having seen before. Uh, more and more people are paying attention to these judges, and because they're elected, uh, and we need to know who they are. We need to know what their stances are on particular issues. Although you know. That can change when they're adjudicating, when they are ruling on a case. So please get involved, everybody. Go to vote.org and call 1-866-OUR-VOTE when you are having some challenges. Of course, we're going to have, we have with us, shall I say, Attorney Daryl Jones and Attorney uh, Aaron Connolly as we talk about voter protection because now we're seeing more and more armed people who are circling polling places and and ballot boxes and 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 we have poll workers election judges who are wearing Kevlar vests I mean come on everybody really and that's going to help us to move into a conversation on political violence in America we continue to say uh, that political violence is something new we, we've not been here before that is not true this is where we have been living since the founding of the republic the question is can we continue? No, not and have the Republican and democracy thrive and survive. No, we cannot. We have to choose uh, where we go from here, as Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King wrote more than 50 years ago, chaos or community? Okay, what are we going to do? I want you to call me at 773 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. How can some people laugh about the attack upon Paul Pelosi? There's nothing funny about that. Nothing. Why is that funny? Why is that funny? Never, that's just cruel. And it lets me know not just your, your political immaturity, but your mean-spiritedness. Just, I don't care what party someone is. You don't do that. My mother made, had me sit down and pray for George Wallace when he was shot when I was a child. And I knew he was a flagrant racist. I knew that he was not on our side politically or socially. But just the spiritual discipline of just to pray for another human being who's been hurt. Think about that, everybody, and let's protect our vote. All right, you know, I'm you know I put my order in with you, uh, Shapero, <laughs> for the holiday celebrations by us, and, to, and, and you keep letting everybody know everybody know that you're limiting your orders. I'm glad. I'm glad business is going so well, and I'm glad I got in just under the wire. Yes, Santita. We have to
3: limit because my husband says, I need to be present for Thanksgiving. So we are Um. taking limited orders, but we are definitely assisting you with your turkey, your mashed potatoes, your dressing, your mac and cheese your green beans and your greens. And let's not forget our desserts, our sweet potato pie, our peach cobbler, our banana pudding, our caramel cake, and red velvet cake. We have it all, whatever it is that you need. Don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We also do a full table setup and decor. We can organize your friend's giving, as they're saying these days. And we can do everything that you need from balloon arches to custom table and flower arrangements. Whatever it is that you need, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita.
2: Oh, I love it. And we used to do that when I lived in New York. Because, I, Well, I always came home for the holiday, always. But, mm-hmm. you know, because I was living with all my friends throughout the year, it felt kind of odd not being with them on Thanksgiving, right? And so we right. would have the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We would have, oh, I'd had about thirty or forty people over to my little apartment, and boy, we had some fun. We had some good times. Yes. I just and, found and some it's some old pictures. A
3: TikTok trend. It's a new TikTok trend called Friendsgiving. So that's how everybody is getting together. They do a lot of yeah. color coding gifts and sharing, and it's, it's just really fun. So it's a great way to uh, celebrate mm-hmm. the holidays with people who are family, even though that they're not blessed.
2: Absolutely. And happy anniversary to you and your husband. You and your husband celebrated how many years of marriage? Uh, 25
3: years, Santita, and we are very oh. blessed, thanks to God, that we are able to sustain our marriage. And so we are very grateful. Thank you so much
2: three children uh one grandchild another one on the way yay 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 praise the lord and we thank god he's a wonderful wonderful man um married to a wonderful woman and he gives you a lot of space you know it takes a real big man to step back but he, and he's a big guy and he steps back and he just lets your pearl run the world and he supports her. there's a lesson in that it's very seriously there's a lesson in that he's he he does nothing but support you, and I have nothing but love and respect for him. He's just an absolute jewel, and you all you have a beautiful, beautiful oh, family. God bless you. Happy anniversary once you. again, everybody. Let's talk about voter protections with Attorney Erin Connolly, brilliant political strategist. You know, I tease you about Kirsten Cinema, but you know, watching her turn um, her corporate turn, I know has got to. Have been disturbing to you unsettling and and painful, and you know people in in Arizona and people who were just nationally who were looking at her. As someone who could be a progressive, there's a sense of betrayal there. There's no question about that. But, you know, we've got the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition with us, uh, Attorney Daryl Jones. And later on, we're going to have Pennsylvania State Senator Vincent Hughes to give us the latest on what's happening in Pennsylvania. That race between Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman is tighter than this. We'll hear from attorney, excuse me, from state representative, state senator, excuse me, Vincent Hughes, as we talk about political violence today. Also, call me at 773-773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Let's talk about political violence in America today. Attorney Daryl Jones, what should we be on the lookout for? I mean, uh... If you if you find that you've been purged from the voter rolls, for example, what should you do now? I mean, we're four days away from um, from the actual from the actual midterm elections themselves.
4: Oh, well, thank you, Santita, and good morning. And of course, you know the, the immediate thing that we tell everyone to do right now, before you do anything else, is start by just going to vote. dot org and checking on your on your voting registration and your status and seeing where you are. And where you are to vote. Now, if you find out that you've been purged from the voter rolls, uh, it depends on the state that you're in. If you're in a state that still offers same-day registration, meaning that it's a state that says that you can come down on on voting day, register to vote, and vote. That's what you should do. Uh, Beyond that, you want to go to your local board of elections to find out what's going on with your voting status, if there is an error or something that would permit you to be able to still cast a ballot. So go to your local board of elections if you find out that you've been purged from the rolls. If you are in that state or if you're in one of the states that has the same day voter registration, uh, some of them uh, will go up until election day, some of them will stop, and some states will begin again, on Election Day. So you have to find out what the rules of your state are. Your local board of elections can answer that question. Vote.org will be able to answer that question. So you know, go there to find out when, uh, if your state has same-day voter registration, and if it does, then you can still register and vote on that same day, Santita.
2: Mm, what do you do? I'm just going to walk down walk down this road with you and with Attorney Aaron Connolly. What do you do if you drop off, if you're approaching the ballot box, because you're going, to, you know, you're going to drop off your vote, and you see someone who's menacing, someone who has a gun, someone who's shouting at you, someone who's trying to intimidate you, if not outright threaten to kill you, what do you do?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, there are a couple of things that I would suggest that you do. The first thing is uh, to take care of yourself. Be certain that you're safe. Uh, You want to use your weapon, your cell phone because you need to document what's happening. So if you if you can take a picture of what's going on, take a picture of what's going on. If the person is addressing you, speaking to you, uh, and you have the ability and the uh, know-how on how to record it, uh, you want to record the exchange of information that's going on, what's being said to you, the threat that's being posed. You then want to uh, report it to the uh, there should be someone there from election protection. If there's someone from election protection at the site, you want to report it to them as well as to the head election official in the polling place. But the most important thing is to be certain that you are safe. And then after being certain that you are safe, you want to be certain to record it, to uh, to take that picture with the with the cell phone or to, you know, if the recording device uh, with your cell phone, you're able to record what's happening. After you've recorded what's happening, you want to provide that to not only the election protection uh, folks that's, that's there and the election judge, but you also want to provide it to uh, is to call the 866-OUR-VOTE. Let them know what has happened. Let them know that you have it recorded, and uh, you'll have the ability to upload it to their system. The same is true with the Legal Defense Fund. Uh, if you're in a state that the Legal Defense Fund is monitoring, uh, they will have a link that's available. You can go online to, to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and you'll be able to upload uh, the information, the video or the uh, pictures that you have of what has happened so that they can an, an, uh, initiate an investigation uh, into what's happening and it's immediate there's not something that's going to take days or anything like that these are all immediate things the same is true with the 866 hour vote they will initiate an immediate investigation into what's happening so those are the uh, steps that uh, that are highly recommended to take if you find yourself in that type of situation
2: hmm. attorney erin Connolly. uh You know, I think voter intimidation has really been uh, highlighted by what's been happening in Arizona. It's not only happening in Arizona, but it's happening everywhere. It's happening in many, many places. But Arizona appears to be very forward. Uh, You know, people with, with guns at the ballot boxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have a gubernatorial candidate who's locked in a tighter than this race with the sitting governor, who's saying that, you know, if she wins, she'll accept uh, the results. If she doesn't win, mm, crickets. You hear from her, and you know all of that stirs up, you know, a lot of feelings. And people, you know, one in four Americans feel that it's okay to uh, to take violent action um, today. You know, in in these political disagreements. I mean, it's this is we're living in a really really interesting time. What is what? What is happening in Arizona right now?
5: Well, Arizona is a very special place. And I spent about six years in Arizona in the Phoenix metro area, but was um, an organizer and activist and political consultant throughout the whole state. So it's a, it's a, it's a different place. It's still the Wild West. It's mostly hmm. independent voters. And there is a, a spirit in Arizona of nonconformity that it really does have this wild west mentality. We we were trained What is the wild west for...
2: mentality. I mean, what is you know cuz so, and I think that we need to understand America. And I think you would agree also attorney Jones. There are a lot of different cultures here within the broader culture. <laughs> you know, it's just you know, the Wild West people who settled, you know, get off my land. I, you know, this this is the part of the country where people, well, they got it everywhere. Everybody got it but black people. Well, you got land to settle. You know, so they were fighting with indigenous people and all that. I mean, there's just, there's a whole, there's a thinking there. There's a thinking in the Republic of Texas. <laughs> Attorney Aaron Connolly. They, they don't even call themselves a state. They're like, we are the Republic of Texas. I'm like, whoa, okay. So, what is a wild west mentality? What is that? And
3: it's it's it's
5: similar in that way. It's nonconformity. It's kind of a, a double edged sword of open mindedness and potential for mayhem. To be honest with you, so when we're training, when we were training canvassers in Arizona, even in the metro areas, we would always talk about. Um, the likelihood that um, you know the owners of the property, especially if you're out in the rural areas, most likely have guns, there may be animals we're training for scorpions but there's there's also this sense of um, I witnessed more uh more folks wanting to talk, wanting to invite people into their homes, provide hospitality, and really hear what people had to say so it's it's a uh, there really is both both sides to this in my experience in Arizona the The problem that we 're seeing now is since um, really before Trump was elected during that campaign we saw an activation of the the more white supremacist racist tendencies that have existed in Arizona since the Civil War before it was a state, and those those people many um Many folks come to live in Arizona from moving other places, but there's a strong contingency of folks that have been there since, since the territory times and take great pride in their families, um, working the land and being um, being in Arizona their entire uh, lives of their families, right? So, it's an interesting culture. There, there, you know, there's cowboy hats and cowboy boots, and then there's uh, Metro Phoenix, which is one of the the largest cities in the country. So, what we're seeing now is these fringe groups. We see many of the January 6th uh, folks and those those key players, those key personalities from that day were from Arizona in charge. Um, with crimes related to that, so what what we're seeing is this this boldness from this group. Um, the Phoenix Sheriff's Department is is. I think handling this um, reasonably well, but we're still seeing reports of incitement of violence. Uh, you know, the gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, is posting nooses on her uh, Twitter feed this morning and um, stoking those fires more. So it's it's difficult to get a hold on this from, uh, you know, a police, perspective when the candidates are still going out there, when we have Donald Trump saying that the election uh, results were fraudulent and questioning potential um, results on Tuesday, right? So I think the big fear in Arizona is making sure Election Day voting is safe and that people are able to access the polling sites, right? So the election protection teams are out in full force. I think thank you to attorney Daryl Jones from the transformative justice coalition who outlined exactly what folks should do there. There will be election protection people. They are on the ground. Those systems of reporting actually work. I know attorney Jones and myself have organized those systems where we are out protecting the vote, recruiting attorneys to do that. If you call, The free, toll-free number, you will 866-OUR-VOTE? 866-OUR-VOTE. Folks will activate and and come help. You have to look for the election judges. If you don't feel you're getting an answer, I think um, making that call is the most important thing to do because those people really, there are real people supporting that. This isn't something that's going to get left in a... In a voicemail, we actually move on this stuff. So that's an important tool. But in Arizona, um, I am praying and hoping that we have a safe, functional election. Um, The good news is, as many people do return their votes by mail in Arizona for almost 20 years, they've had a great system called the Pebble. And a lot of folks are exercising their their right to vote that way and not having to use these drop boxes. So.
2: You know, but but when you have Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, indeed, you all going to Georgia because people have requested that you uh, that you watch the polls, that you literally stand there so that you can protect people um, as they vote. When you have candidates, I mean, but you know what? This is not different, Daryl. Um, we've seen this before. I saw an NPR report I was sharing with you. That's. Um, not that, that was just I just just heard it a few few days ago and I had to pull it. They had Bernard Lafayette, who along with my father was one of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's staff members, and um, they were saying this feels like um, this feels like what we went through in the fifties and the sixties. <laughs> this this is what this feels like um, because you had sheriffs, you had state, you had local, state, and county officials. Who were preventing people from voting? What do you do in the in the two thousand twenties when you have uh, when you actually have people who are who are standing in the way of you in the vote? I mean, do you have do we have any recourse in real time, Attorney Daryl Jones?
4: Well, I think that your your recourse uh, in real time uh, is the same process that we've put in place. Look, wherever you are in the United States of America. It is illegal for anyone to practice any type of intimidation regarding your vote. And so if it's an elected official, there's a non-elected official. If they're intimidating you and trying to interfere with your right to vote, it's illegal. And so what you want to do is you want to be certain, number one, to use your weapon to record what's going on, that cell phone, to record what's going on. And then step two is to contact Election Protection. And call the 866-OUR-VOTE. Let them know what's going on. With the election protection, with the 866-OUR-VOTE, you'll also be connected to an attorney. And the and the lawyers will be able to walk you through to document. And it goes beyond that because it's not just documenting and uh, walking you through. But the lawyers there will be able to identify if there's a pattern or practice that's going on in that particular area that's trying to intimidate or suppress uh, voters from accessing the ballot boxes. So that's extremely important. And, Cintia, let me add this, because we know, and you're going to have uh, Senator Hughes on uh, today, uh, You know, we know from when we were in Pennsylvania this past weekend in Philadelphia that we had a chance to talk to the Secretary of State there. In Pennsylvania, uh, the various counties of Pennsylvania, and I don't remember the number, I believe there's 67 of them, uh, they all have their own little fiefdoms with regards to how things are worked out for their election cycle and how their vote Goes on, In at least one of those jurisdictions, according to the Secretary of State, they have sheriffs that are standing at the drop boxes that are questioning people that are coming up with their ballots uh, about identification and and, you know and various other questions. That's a form of voter intimidation and voter suppression. So you know there there are issues like that. So when you speak of you know uh, of of the uh, of the '60s and the intimidation that was coming from uh, government officials. Uh, it's still happening. It, it, it's still there, and these are just the ones that we are, you know, being able to identify. Which is why we encourage people to, you know, to record, to to take pictures of of, uh, of instances like this that are happening across the country, so we can piece it all together. So we'll know what's happening, and we can then address it.
2: Hmm. I want you to call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Have you had any challenges voting? I hope that even if you have, that you will continue to go on and vote. This is the moment that you make your voice heard. The billionaires who spent almost $1 billion on this election, more than $900 million, unbelievable. Uh, Or should I say unbelievably, it is unbelievable, and unbelievably they've spent that much money, but they know how important being involved in the political process is, which is why you, you, you must be involved in the political process. You, you, you must vote. On Tuesday or by Tuesday, you and the billionaires will be on equal footing. Okay? Think about that. Think about that. They are no more important than you. And when you know that you are somebody, you will get out there and vote, and you will vote with a passion. I'm asking people to get out and vote. Get out and vote. Go to vote.org. Find out your status. Find out if you have been purged from the voter rolls and remedy it. Find out where you can vote, where you're supposed to vote. Find that out right now. And if you have any kind of trouble at the polls or as you're trying to approach your uh, the ballot box, you know, these drop boxes, call 1-866-OUR-VOTE, pull out that phone, Take pictures. Make you a nice home movie. Make sure you do that. Let's talk about political violence in America. There's nothing new, sadly, about political, mo- politically motivated violence in America. It's deeply ingrained in our politics. Uh, we've had our presidents killed. We've had other politicians who've been killed. Um, indeed, the, the assassin of President Abraham Lincoln, his last words. Uh, as he was killed, when he was resisting arrest, was, I did what I thought was best. Wow. So what do you think, everybody? What do you think about politically motivated violence in America? Uh, What do you think about it? Do you think it's new? Um, If you listen to corporate-driven media, they will tell you that, oh, for sure, we've not seen this before. This is just, this is terrible. We've been doing this a long time. Dr. King's assassination was politically motivated. Yes, it was. Medgar Evers... Murder. His assassination was politically motivated. You can keep on going down the list. Now the question is, are we going to continue to do this? We can't continue to do this and have a more perfect union. That's not going to work. That's why I'm a Democrat, but I'm glad everybody else isn't. What do they say in the church? (laughs) Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly? Well, I'm Baptist, but I'm glad God isn't. I just want people to participate in the process. That's the American way. So let's talk about politically motivated violence here on the Santita Jackson Show. Call us at 773 763 9278, 773 763 WCPT. Back with more in just a minute.
0: We can change the world, change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson show. It's Friday, November 4th, 2022. Have you voted, everybody? Please go to vote.org, vote.org. Find out if you're still registered. Find out where you go vote. If you have any trouble at the polls, either just outside or inside the polls. If you're trying to drop off your vote at a ballot, at One of these drop boxes and you are dealing with any kind of intimidation, pull out that phone, take pictures, make a movie, call 1-866-HOUR-VOTE and get some help from these wonderful lawyers who are there to help you, everybody. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Let's talk about politically motivated violence in America today. It's not new, everybody. Paul Pelosi, thank God, the husband of the Speaker of the House, third in line to the presidency, who was attacked in their home last Friday morning, about 2.30 in the morning. Wow. Cracked skull, had to have surgery. Well, thank God he went home yesterday, and he's facing a long recovery, but we are grateful uh, to God that he is recovering and i know that no one is more grateful than the pelosi family sending them much love but they are um evers family feels that way too they just didn't get a chance to see their loved one make it the kings feel that way malcolm x's family we have a history of political violence george wallace's family well, yes, I'm putting them all in one basket because to me it's all one thing politically motivated violence. That is not the way you resolve an issue. Let's talk about it here on the Santita Jackson Show today. Call us at 773. 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT in Chicago. We're going to have a high of sixty nine degrees. Scattered showers. Minneapolis Saint Paul forty five degrees and cloudy. In Major League Baseball, the Astros three, the Phillies two, and that is uh, the Astros are up three to two now in the World Series. Uh, they're going back to Houston. Will they be able to close it out there? Will we? I'm hoping so. Dusty Baker, the coach of that team, has been coaching for 25 years, one of Hank Aaron's last uh, teammates. When they were in when they were uh, in Atlanta together, well, he is um, he's been coaching for 25 years, one of the most successful coaches in all of Major League Baseball. This would be his first World Series win. So, pulling for you, Mr. Baker. In the NBA, the Bulls will be facing off against the Celtics, and the Bucks against the Timberwolves. In, in the NHL, Chicago two, the Kings one, the Kraken four, and the Wild. Zero. They were shut out, but that's all right. That's all right, everybody. $900 million. That's right. U.S. billionaires have pumped $900 million into the midterms. But guess what? Your vote can add up to that and more. So make sure you get out there and vote, everybody. Please get out there and vote. Elon Musk will begin laying off Twitter employees this morning, according to a memo sent to staff. He will lay them off. Uh, they will be fired from their jobs by email. Several employees, though, are suing. Elon Musk alleging the layoffs are in violation of labor law. We will see how that all pans out, everybody. Health officials are reinforcing the recommendations for people to get flu vaccines as this year's strain picks up its pace across the United States. Those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson show. And everybody, uh, I want you to know that financial freedom can be yours. You do not have to have credit card debt. You don't. You shouldn't be using that debit card. You need to be moving toward getting a credit card. How do you do that? You call Team Hockberg at 855-56-DAVID, eight five 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 six david If you want to refinance your existing home, if you want to create a plan so that you can buy a home, call Team Hockberg. If you want to get a VA loan, an FHA loan, if you've been turned down before, maybe you need an advocate. If you have high credit card debt, I think you need an advocate. Don't interact with these companies by yourself. Let Team Hockberg do it for you. If you call them, you get a free consultation. Tell them everything. And they will follow up with you and create a plan that will get you on the road to financial freedom. Tom and Sonia did. 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt on those cards. Yeah. And they were struggling to pay their mortgage and trying to keep their kids above water. Well, guess what? Uh, They reached out to Team Hockberg. Team Hockberg then reached out to the... Credit card companies worked out a plan for them to reduce their credit card uh, debt every month by more than twenty eight hundred dollars. They were able to save their homes. That could be you. It's happening to a lot of people. So I want you to call 855-56 David, eight five five-five six David, or visit five six david davidcom com, five six david com, so that you can get on the road to financial freedom. Let's talk about politically motivated violence. Last weekend, we were all shocked and disturbed, at least some of us were, uh, by the attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband, the 82-year-old husband of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, in their home in San Francisco. Uh, And I say some of us because distressingly, disturbingly, shockingly, painfully, really it's vulgar. Uh, Some people have laughed about this attack on this man. This is a human being, everybody. Somebody's husband, somebody's father, grandfather, a human being. I don't have to agree with your politics. I just know that we cannot survive. We cannot have a more perfect union if we attack each other physically because of political disagreement. I don't care how strenuously you disagree with someone. You can't. You're not supposed to kill somebody. That's not the way we're supposed to do this. Of course, joining us today, uh, Attorney Aaron Connolly and Attorney Daryl Jones staying with us, but we've got uh, Dwight McKee, a brilliant social scientist, beloved by us, known as Dr. D. We have got Attorney Mark Fancher, lawyer, author, got his book uh, The Negroes of Friends Village, and Bryce Green, you had you heard him here before, uh, from Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, talking about this today. Dwight, why don't you set the table? And I say that because, you know, you were uh, with uh, with us? I was a little girl, of course. I didn't know what all of it meant. When our congressman, who is now retiring, uh, Bobby Rush, was one of the Black Panthers, and after the assassination of Mark, assassinations of Mark Clark and Fred Hampton, uh, he was on the run, one of the ten most wanted men in America, and um, uh, he surrendered to to all of us. And then you've seen. You've seen political, politically motivated violence. What do you make of what's happening in America right now, Dwight McKee?
1: Uh, business as usual. I mean, has anybody heard of Ku Klux Klan? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's anybody heard of Selma? It's business as usual. It's the, America's always been based on political violence and the the uh, the implemented implementation thereof. It's as soon as the Civil War was over, the Confederate generals band together and put together the Ku Klux Klan, whose whole design was to impose violence on any black person trying to vote, and that has been that way for the last hundred and fifty years. This is really just an extension of that. This is it's, it's the same. It's the grand and great-grandchildren of the same crowd. That's why it's the same flags. That's why there's some of the same issues. It is white supremacists have, since the inception of the country, uh, the way it's imposed its its will has been violence, whether it's been on uh, the Native Americans, whether it's been on black Americans, whether it's been on uh, New Brothers from the South, who are coming up? Whether it's been the Haitians, it is the nature of the American institution of, of voting, of of political elections. This is nothing new.
2: Hmm. Attorney Mark Fancher, your thoughts?
6: Well, I think for all of the reasons that Dwight just said, I, I, I'm reluctant to characterize it as political violence. Um, I, I really think that we have to be precise. And understand that this is racial violence. And that's true even though, in this instance, uh, both in the Pelosi instance, uh, both the victim and the uh, attacker were both white. Uh, because at the root of all of this is a mass, widespread panic uh, that has gripped uh, a large segment of the white population in this country. Uh, they have, for some time now, uh, been growing increasingly afraid that their grip. On the domination of this society at every level is slipping and now they're at the point where they think that they've just about lost it Uh, they look at things like the demographic projections and uh, the the stories run wild in their communities about them being outpaced population wise Uh, and they look at the uh, the number of people coming across the border Uh, They look at the fact that uh, there was this black man who was president. They look at all of these kinds of things, and it just fans the flames of fear uh, that many of them have, and uh, they are resorting to desperate measures. And so in their war, and it really is a war, and they characterize it as such, in their war to hold on to, to power and to hold on to hegemony and dominance and all of those kinds of things, they take no prisoners. And it doesn't matter uh, that the targets of their violence happen to be of of the same racial identity as they are. They're prepared to take collaborators and allies and anybody else uh, who's standing in the way of their agenda. And on the flip side, they're also not reluctant to embrace people of color who are also on board with their agenda. You know, witness Herschel Walker. Uh, so we have a racial phenomenon that doesn't always play itself out in terms of the people involved in the drama uh, fitting neatly into racial boxes. But there is no mistake that this is a racial, uh, racially driven phenomenon. Much like during Reconstruction uh, with the rise of the Klan and everything else, the motivation is still the same. In Reconstruction, the same kinds of fears and the same kind of panic was present when white workers began to see newly freed African people uh, ascending to positions that they thought they would never see them ascend to politically. Uh, watching them uh, have a literacy rate that accelerated at a rate that's really incomparable throughout human history, watching them establish enterprises uh, of the kind that made them very jealous, Witness Black, Wall Street. I mean, all of these things are cyclical, and they're all driven by the same dynamic.
2: Hmm. Bryce Green, your thoughts.
7: Right. Um, One important aspect to this dynamic that's being discussed here, is the economic side, right? I mean, it's the same problem that happened in uh, Nazi Germany or in any place where there was a major rise of anti-Semitism. The economic dispossession of the working class, um, the fact that people weren't able to control their own lives, the fact that the decisions about their life were being made in remote, far-off places, I mean, that's disturbing to a lot of people, especially when your living conditions are getting worse and worse and worse. You're noticing the country around you fall apart, um, and it's difficult in our media environment to actually get a grip for what are the actual people behind that. Uh, the answer is, of course, you know, corporations, military industrial complex, prison industrial complexes, all of these uh, outflows of capital and capitalism. And so when a lot of people uh, see their world falling apart around them, it makes it very easy for them to accept. You know, infantile explanations For their suffering Um, You know, a lot of these far right people Are isolated, alienated They notice that sometimes There are more brown people around them And so then they get on these online forums They get on a media environment That tells them that these brown people are the problem Then they start to believe it And then, you know, the rest is history It can be, you know, racial violence It can be insane racist election campaigns It can be all of that stuff but we will never be able to fix it unless we get at the root of, uh, of our alienation right we will never get we will never get over uh, the scapegoating of, of black people the scapegoating of uh, any racial group the scapegoating of Nancy Pelosi as the individual we will never get past that unless collectively we're able to name names about who is the root of our discontent and like i said the answer is corporate power the major corporations control the Entire economic world of Americans. They control uh, who gets jobs. They control where investment goes. They control whether or not your school gets funded. And all of these issues are important. But you know the American media environment doesn't really connect these to issues of corporate power. And so then, like I said, it's easy for people to you know, to fall into traps of you know racial hatred and 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 you know weird theories about how the world works. Um, and so, like I said, we need to be able to combat that. We need to be able to fight that with education, uh, with uh, with alternative structures of organization that might be able to give people an alternate explanation for how their lives are getting worse.
2: Hmm. Call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, listening to uh, Bryce Green and Attorney Mark. Uh, Fancher and Dwight McKee, uh, Daryl Jones, Attorney Daryl Jones, and you and Attorney Barbara Arnwine and the Transformative Justice Coalition were down in Georgia with Ahmad Arbery's family when no one even knew about the case. Would you put his murder in, uh, would you put it in a political context, a political lineage?
4: Well, yeah, there certainly is a, a political uh, context in which it can be heard, right? Because we know that this was something that was uh, generated and a result of hate. It was a straight-out hate crime, and it was devaluing uh, the life of mod Arbery. To get to the point that you feel as though you can chase someone down as you would be on a hunt, and then to use a, a rifle that would be used to bring down an elephant to blow three holes through their chest, such that light could be seen through the body. That's a devaluation of the person. And then from there, we know that what happens is that the state's attorney, the prosecutor, who's sworn into office to protect the family, sworn into office to protect the public, has the officers not arrest these these three killers and sends them home blood on their hands, collects no evidence, sends them home. You know, this is a whole political context because they believed that uh, they could devalue the life of Ahmad, that they didn't think there would be any political ramifications to what they were doing negatively uh, from the African-American community, that they could do this, you know, with, with impunity and, and walk away from it and not have him prosecuted. And so, you know, in, in terms of the political context of it, it lets you know that they were in such a state that the prosecutor was in such a state that the killers were in such a state that they believed that they could do this and walk away from it. But it's the political accountability side that, that brings it all to bear, and that's why the prosecutor in that case now is, will be standing trial uh, for her uh, her actions, her lack of actions. It's why the three killers now were, were found guilty uh, by, the, uh, by a jury, and, and by two juries, right, one in the state court and one in the federal court. So politically, that, that, that wasn't action that they thought that they could take and get away with it, and they only would have thought that because it probably has happened in the past, that you know that they've gotten away with this that it was in their mindset it was in their psyche that this was okay to occur so it's a matter of breaking that psyche down it's a matter i think of of activating remaining uh, active and strong in the minds of, of of black and brown voters that there is power in that vote there is importance in having representation that is accountable to to our community and to all of the community that exists. So yeah, I think it it certainly fits in a political uh, context and in a voting rights context. Uh, so, Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Aaron, so your thoughts? You know, I got a couple of minutes before we go to break. Well, I, this po- I mean, political. Can we can we really become a more perfect union as we just? It's this politically motivated violence is just in the DNA of the country. I, mean, I, can, I can look around the world, but I mean, it's here. This is what we do. It's just mm-hmm. not how and it should be done.
5: <laughs> Dwight set it up perfectly. And we have, to, we have to look at the truth before we can have our more perfect union. We mm-hmm. have to, A, recognize that this colonist mentality that stole land from the indigenous people in our country is, is how we started. We are a nation that has slaves. We are a nation that discriminated against the immigrant population that built the infrastructure of our country. We have to look at those pieces. The political violence is a natural offshoot of that colonist or Wild West uh, manifest destiny mentality that if something isn't how the people in power like it, then we can just take it with force. And we see the evidence of that in many cases in, uh, throughout the world as America became a superpower and started um, messing around with other people's governments and often did so with violent uprising as well. So we have to really take a look at the history, the reality of this country. And this is nothing new. I have been, it was one of the great honors of my life to work with the Kennedy family, The same way my great aunt worked with Robert Kennedy in California and unfortunately was a a part of his campaign and endured the trauma of watching um, Mm -hmm. him be assassinated as well. And when you talk to those family members, this is still very real for them. This is someone's husband and father and grandfather that did not. Did not get to fulfill his destiny, and when we look at the media coverage and some of the responses to the attack on Paul Pelosi, it's it's just terrible. Not only is he a human being, but this this is a leader of our country. People are wearing Halloween costumes, pretending to be the attacker, and what? laughing and snickering on it on. Tele- yes, yes, he elected people running for office. I, I I will send you the information so I don't right. I don't miss it, but people I, 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 running for office are dressing as this attacker and with T-shirts that they "Wears Nancy." We're talking about
2: wait, 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 wait. The house. Oh, Stay yes? right there, Dwight. What do you make of that? I got about <laughs> I, just I only I, I only pivoted to Dwight Aaron because he Dwight has seen so much. <laughs> you know, they went out looking for Bobby Rush <laughs> just because they because the FBI boy, they they were afraid he was going to be killed by them. Or some or even the Chicago police, somebody. What do you what do you make of that, Dwight? What does that say about us now?
1: Well again, it's 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 not even policy driven, for the most part it's racial driven. It is a group of people who believe that they have the moral superiority and the racial purity to run the world and not just America but the whole wide world. It's an arrogance and a presumption and a self concept that is almost unique to them. Because. No, no, no.
2: not the uh, world, Dwight. Remember, they want to colonize space. You, you. <laughs> Dwight, colonialism in space, how's that going to work, Dwight?
1: It's, again, it's, a, it's an <laughs> arrogance, it is a God complex. And so, when when you are God, then there is no other constraint other than you know how, how you how you operate because you're the last word on everything. You have the right to in to uh, to impose your will on everything and everybody. So, in many ways, it's beyond race. It's beyond you know e- e- economics. It is a arrogance of a people that is very unique in world history. That they believe that God has put that they are God and they are in charge. Hold and that thought everybody's subjected to them, huh?
2: Hold oh, no, hold that thought. I gotta go to break. I wanna hear what your thoughts are, everybody. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. What about this politically motivated violence? we're hearing about uh, from this wonderful panel what it's grounded in what do you think call us at 773 763 9278 back in just a minute we can change the world
0: change the world change the world we can we can change the world we can change the world change the world
1: this is the santita jackson show
2: everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. hope you'll join us on Keep Hope Alive this weekend uh, as we talk about this and all these other issues. Four days out from the midterms, go to vote.org, vote.org, so that you can find out if you're still registered to vote and so that you can find out where you can go vote, where you are supposed to go vote. Uh, everyone knows uh, when you're registered, they let you know exactly where you're supposed to go vote. And call 1-866-OUR-VOTE if you have any problems Getting your vote in, everybody. We're talking about political violence, politically motivated violence in America. I just came across a news story that shows uh, that a wide and bipartisan majority of Americans worry there is increased danger of politically motivated violence in the United States, according to a Washington Post-ABC News poll. Nearly 9 in 10 Americans, 88%, are concerned that political divisions have intensified to the point, according to this a, B, according to this Washington Post report, they they feel that these differences between us have intensified to the point that there's an increased risk of politically motivated violence in the United States. And, you know, I think just coming out of the civil rights movement, and I guess I'm the young guard of the old guard, because um, I'm old enough to have met Dr. King. I was barely remember it, but we did meet him. Several times, many times, he was my brother Jonathan's god god brother. Oh, by the way, uh, election night, we're going to have a watch party at the South Shore Cultural Center. Morning stars, everybody, I hope you'll join us there. I hope you'll join us there. Hope it's a victory party. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just you know what what was what's been disturbing to me, just unsettling. I would, and I have to say this. Uh, let me just bring Bryce back in. Is you know this. This sense when you listen to the corporate driven media, they're like, oh my goodness, this has never happened here before. I'm like, honey, <laughs> I know too many people who were killed in politically motivated violence. Are you kidding me? I mean, Bryce, it's just the, the, you know, just turning our back on our history to me is just that's so dangerous. Bryce Green.
7: Uh, You're exactly right. I mean, the the mainstream media and the corporate media have some of the worst historical amnesia of any Mm -hmm. people who are, like, uh, addressing the current state of affairs, right? Like like you said, you remember that. Uh, I've read about it. Our parents do. Our grandparents do. They know about it. But the corporate media seems to think that political violence is just, you know, a new phenomenon, and it's only attributable to – you know, people like Donald Trump or it's only attributable to, uh, you know, right wing figures like Tim Poole or Tucker Carlson or who, whoever, you know, pick a villain. Um, but, of course, they don't look at the underlying processes that generate this violence. They don't look at how the structural incentives we have really leave people with very few options within our political arena. And that leaves them feeling disempowered. And then if you combine that with the sort of hatred that we've always had in our country, well, then you're going to have political violence. Uh, but, you know, the corporate media doesn't make these connections. All they do is, you know, they blame it on one of their villains. And, you know, it's the business model, right? People tune in to cable news. People tune in to their to their favorite channels or whatever in order to get a dose of something that they already expect. Right? If you're on the right wing, you get on, you tune in. They're blaming liberals. They're blaming Democrats. They're blaming Pelosi and AOC and all those people. If you get on, you know, uh, uh, Democratic, liberal news, they're blaming Mitch McConnell. They're blaming Donald Trump. They're blaming everyone. But no one takes a holistic view. No one understands that these processes that lead to this violence are baked into the structure of our country. And we won't be able to change that unless, and especially unless, uh, corporate media, or the general media environment in america is able to assimilate these things into their worldview and are able to present an alternative viewpoint to the people uh, to present a way to organize politically uh, a way to understand the history of political violence in america a way to understand what exactly we're up against without resorting to uh you know like cartoons and stereotypes we
1: need to do better than that
2: Mm. Dwight, what do you see happening now? I mean, because now they're taking all of these polls, you know, and that's that's a calculation, too, that shows that, you know, oh, boy, Americans up in arms and, you know, and and but people do feel you did say to me 20 years ago that, uh, you know, as you saw, you saw an unplugging of the economy and you said that's going to be there's going to be a lot that's going to there's going to be a lot of fallout from that. And you're going to see Americans become very violent. Uh, particularly white Americans because they're not accustomed to being disempowered, disenfranchised, and this is going to get ugly. What did you see, Dwight?
1: Uh, I saw that. That's exactly what I saw. You know, the part, the other part of of the American mythology is white people. Many of them feel like they have this right of uh, of uh, happiness, pursuit of happiness, and its right of fulfillment. And they really, you know, operated in the mythology and developed their lives around the mythology. And so now that they find out that, that a lot of it is a myth, they themselves are having a nervous breakdown. Because at one level, they felt superior to us but at another level, they felt entitled to all those things that have been that have been defined for them as white American. And as that becomes less accessible, it's very hard for them to process. And for many of them, the only way they know how to process that is through violence is the same violence that made it possible. For it to be a reality, that is, the, 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 the violence imposed upon the natives when they took the land, the violence imposed upon us when they forced us into slavery to work the land, it's that same violence that gave them access to those, those rights and those freedoms. Now that they don't have access to that, that same violence becomes their only option and their only response.
2: Well, you know, I have a few minutes before we bring on uh, State Senator uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Vincent Hughes uh, to let us know what's going on there. I mean, what do you see, Mark? I mean, is there uh, how will this play out? Is there a remedy, or is this does this just have to play out? Because if it just plays out, it just seems like this is so destructive.
6: Oh, yeah, there's definitely a remedy. The question is, will people recognize it and use it? Uh, You know, I think both Dwight and Bryce are absolutely correct in in terms of how they explain all of this. And what has happened is that uh, historically, uh, you know, when the U.S. was first established, it was set up in a way that allowed for a few elite property men, you know, landowners uh, and slave owners to control everything few white elite uh, property owners to do this, and the broad masses of white people, many of them very poor, uh, were sucked into supporting these people and ignoring any of their crimes and misdeeds under the cloak of white nationalism. They created this myth, this belief that they were all in it together, that all white people were going to be prospering in this country together, when in fact... Uh, these elite groups were exploiting and oppressing these same people. And what they did is that they used these white workers to perpetrate acts of violence against people who were not part of the white nation. Uh, So it was the poor white workers who were sent to war against indigenous peoples in the wars that were fought to conquer them and to commit acts of genocide against them. It was poor white workers who were used as overseers on plantations to keep uh, the Africans in line. And so over time, these white elite individuals have been supplanted and replaced by major corporations who still use the same playbook. They still use the, the, the idea of white nationalism uh, to keep all these white workers in line, and not only to keep them in line, but to go to war and to and, and perpetrate acts of violence against communities of color uh, in order to prevent. Uh, a couple of things, one, from communities of color rising up and resisting, and two, uh, to create this mythology and this delusion that somehow white workers' interests are more closely aligned with major corporations than they are with the people who are their natural allies, which are communities of color that are oppressed. And so the remedy for this is for people to wake up, uh, especially white workers, for them to understand that their interests are more closely aligned with the people that they're currently attacking than they are with the major corporations, which lurk behind the scenes and manipulate, dominate, exploit uh, to their advantage. And I don't know of anybody who has seriously undertaken the task of trying to work, wake up white workers, uh, because the remedy for this is for them to wake up and for them to join forces with communities of color, and for all of them to get together and to crush the corporations.
2: Hmm. Well, you know, I tell you, we're, we are in a battle. We are in a battle, and I've got Pennsylvania State Senator Vincent Hughes with us today because you know you've got you've got North Carolina, you have got Georgia, you've got Kentucky, you have got all of these states, Arizona, that are at play on every level, on the city, uh, county, and state levels, and the federal levels, and so I'm very, very honored that Mr. Cheryl Lee Ralph could be with us today to tell us what's happening. (laughs) Well, You know, I love that's My dream girl, my girlfriends and I were talking about her the other day. When I was a freshman at Howard, we would take the train or the cheap plane ride up to New York to watch her the original dream girls cast love her. And congratulations again on her Emmy win, historic as it was. What's going on with the Fetterman race? We understand that Oprah Winfrey... um, Publicly endorsed, not the person she put it put on the map, Dr. Mehmet Oz, but John Fetterman. What's going on? And it seems that he was he didn't take the hit from his um, from his uh, debate that Raphael Warnock took. People felt that Raphael Warnock wasn't tough enough. What's going on up there in Pennsylvania?
8: Well, I, look, I think. Where where are we, uh, Santita, and, and again, uh, thank you very much. Um, and and I will, as I have always said, be glad to be called Mr. Shirley Ralph any day of the week.
2: All right. So we're, we're <laughs> thank very you.
8: we're very cool on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so look, I think we have I think we have a situation where, um, out of after all of the money has been spent, all the conversations that have been had, uh, which which should be almost a no-brainer. Um, it, it seems folks are coming home to um, some great traditions that they, or some historic traditions that they've always voted in. And, um, you know, this, this, this is all within the margin now. And so, as I said, after hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent in terms of commercials and advertising and texting and Facebooking and all that other kind of stuff, um, we're we're within the margin of Pennsylvania, I believe. Spedderman is up uh, by by a few points, um, and it again comes out to turnout. I mean, it, this should this shouldn't be close. This sh- this shouldn't be close. There the issues that were raised that I, I heard the previous gentleman discussing should should really make this a no brainer. Oz would not have voted for Katanji Brown Jackson. Oz would not vote for raising the minimum wage. Oz would not vote for um, uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Fetterman would take care of all those things in a heartbeat, um, which are fundamental to all communities all across Pennsylvania, not just a handful. So it's tight um, and it is about turnout. And we're in the last four or five days. Um, however, except for the fact that early voting has already been going on for a couple of weeks in Pennsylvania. So Oprah's decision yesterday um, brings attention to the public conversation we're talking about it and hopefully that will um wake uh, wake up um some of those bones that may have been sleeping or laying at rest um uh, for far too long
2: well let me ask you this how is it that you have someone who essentially lives in new jersey um, nationally nationally known figure, of course, you know, we've seen celebrity candidates before. I, I get that. And, you know, now, increasingly, if you run for office, you need to have kind of like a celebrity patina around you, you know, because we've turned this really into showbiz. What is it about him that has had some appeal over your sitting lieutenant governor? What is well, that? I What's think, going on?
8: I, I, I think that... um you know, it's it's really one party that goes after the celebrity candidates. If you if you look around the country, in Pennsylvania, it's Oz. Um, in Georgia, it's um, um, it's Herschel Walker. Um, in California, with Schwarzenegger. It was The Terminator. All right, you know, it's so so that they, they have a propensity for that. I believe their strategy suggests that they can't necessarily appeal um, on policy, um, so they go after the. Uh, um, uh, they go after the celebrity side. I think that um you know if 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 uh if Fetterman had not had the health issue that he had uh and if people had had would would be in their right mind about um supporting an individual who um even though they had a disability um uh, they would support that individual to overcome that situation. I think this would be in a in a very difficult situation, diff- very different situation. I believe Fetterman would be up dramatically. P- people have forgotten, and we talked about this the last time, Santita. people have forgotten that one of the greatest presidents this country has ever had, one of them, Um, uh, brought us out of depression, suffered um, with polio, and served his entire tenure in a a wheelchair. Franklin Roosevelt. Are are we saying that if we have a disability that we can't serve? Are we saying that if we we, we tell our children, we tell ourselves, we tell our children that when you're knocked down, you get back up. You don't run away from the race, race, you run towards the race. But somehow it's gotten in people's minds that that is is, um, a disqualifying factor in this situation here in Pennsylvania. So, um, if you ask me, what's gotten in? You know, obviously the Trump factor and this this national conversation around um, uh, uh, the, 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 the destruction of our democracy um, that's that's obviously obviously playing in. But I think those are some of the bit, very basic things that we're talking about here as we observe the situation in Pennsylvania.
2: We're talking with Pennsylvania State Senator Vincent Hughes about the Fetterman race, the Oz race. Will will uh, will Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman prevail over Doctor Mehmet Oz? What is that looking like now? What is turnout like? We know that in California uh, they've had all about two million people who've come out. You have several states. Uh, w- we've had more than twenty-five million people vote. Fifty-three million people have asked for absentee ballots. We have broken the twenty-eighteen records. Are you seeing that same level of enthusiasm in Pennsylvania?
8: Early, early voting is up, especially among young people, um, and that is a very good sign that the, the percentage is higher with respect to young people um, uh, for a Democratic ballot cast. Um, and that is a that is a very, very, very positive sign that we're just going to have to ride all the way, hopefully, to, to, to a victory. It, it amazes me once again, Santita, you know, why people... To vote against their own self-interest, um, and we—it we, we, is our responsibility, our job—to remind folks to um, look past the personality uh, and look towards the real policies that are in front of us, a- in front of them, and the decisions that will be made. There are very clear differences. I mean, even in the governor's race in 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 Pennsylvania, you know, you got you got the the MAGA Republican who was at the insurrection who was a confederate uniform wearing anti-semite uh candidate i said it you didn't all right (laughs) (laughs) all right all right i'm clear you know um and you know we have a a a long-term long-term public servant who's got a record of only doing good uh and you know that 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 The fact that that individual on the Republican side still has standing in this public conversation is a a real concern. I think Josh Shapiro will be successful, but we need to be very careful about the undergirding of the Republican candidate for governor in Pennsylvania because, you know, that is an example of what's really uh, percolating uh, amongst the broader public. We need to be very concerned about that. Even in the end of the Trump administration, the FBI director said the greatest threat um, to America was from the far-right uh, mm-hmm. um, white supremacist operation. That is still out there. That is still we, what we need to be concerned about.
2: But, they're the, but the FBI never infiltrate. They, were, they rarely infiltrate, should I say. Their organizations, yeah. they're too busy looking at BLM. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like, you're in the wrong spot, buddy. You need to be over with these jokes and go over on the Capitol, U.S. Capitol. Uh, wrong church, wrong
8: wrong church, you, wrong few.
2: <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So what do you want people to know about about voting? I mean, because, you know, Reverend Jackson talks about uh, really the theft of votes does not hurt does not occur you know, Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly and and Attorney Fancher and and Bryce Green and Dwight McKee. It, it doesn't happen. People don't go up and grab a hundred thousand votes. They skim one, ten votes for a precinct. You know, you just skim, skim, skim. Every vote does matter. What's at stake in this election?
8: Well, I mean, for, for me, for me, Santita, it is mm-hmm. it is it is the fundamental. It, it, this, it, this, this is the 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 fundamentals. This is an on all, all on the line situation. We we need to understand that that at the national level, we could have fifty one, and we could be in the business of breaking the filibuster and really getting at the issues that challenge a um, regular people all across all across the country. It is it is. It is a it is a public conversation that has international impact as well. How we interact with with um, countries all across the nation. It is mm-hmm. about um, all of the fundamentals for me, and people need to understand that. And people need to vote their interests. Get beyond the personalities. Vote their interests.
2: Hmm. State senator, Pennsylvania state senator. Vincent Hughes talking to us about what is at stake, and what is at stake in Pennsylvania is what we have. What is at stake in Illinois? It's what is at stake in North Carolina, in Georgia, in Maine, in Vermont, in California, from coast to coast, north, south, east, west, in all the territories. It's where we go from here, chaos or community, Dwight. I just, I really think that that's, Dr. King asked that profound question more than 50 years ago. Where do we go from here, chaos or community? I've got one minute for you, Dwight.
1: Um. Well, we've never had a community. So Dr. King, when he raised the question, where do we go from here, chaos or community? He was going a hypothetical question. Hmm. It's... Uh, We've never had community, the fact of the matter is. And the people who are voting in in one level, Santita, I'm hoping that the Republicans do win. Ooh. Because then the, these other white people who've been operating under this illusion of inclusion will discover that they are really just like us to these corporate guys, to these rich guys. And they will end up paying a, a real price uh once these 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 guys these guys get in power and treat them like they treated us and the natives and they discover that yet yeah, that they've been used all the time. And then you will see another backlash like you saw at the Capitol where that's where they was kind of filled out then. They had put all of the pieces together. Mm-hmm. But that's what the frustration was is and so what you'll see is that there's going to be a backlash to the backlash, and if these Republicans win and start implementing some of these real policies, and start taking away social security, start taking away these the medical benefits, start taking away those things the the, the 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 labor laws, then you will see white people have a real awakening and say, "Hey, wow, we've been tricked and deceived all of the time, all the time." And that's when you will see the counter-revolution.
2: Well, wake up, wake up, wake up. Everybody, please get out there and vote. Vote Vote.org. You know I'm going to have to reach out to you on Sunday, but I'm sure you'll be in these churches, uh, State Senator Vincent Hughes. But, you know, give Reverend Jackson your uncle a call <laughs> I to do that I met Senator Hughes when Reverend was first running for president in 1984 back in the day and he has just he's continued to grow and do so many great things and he and his wife Cheryl Lee Ralph making history she's still doing that sending you much love my dear big brother and Dwight McKee and attorney Mark Fancher uh, and uh, Bryce Green and Attorney Aaron Connolly and Attorney Daryl Jones on his way down. Uh, Where are you on your way to, D- Daryl? Very quickly. I mean, all jokes aside.